It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. In mid-2021, Ange Postacoglu took the biggest step in his coaching career when he left behind a championship-winning legacy at Yokohama F. Marinos and walked right into the furnace of the Scottish Premiership to be the manager of Celtic Football Club. Now, after less than 12 months at the helm, he has more than held his own. He has defied his critics and proven them wrong. He has won the Scottish League Cup and now has guided the famous Glasgow club to the Scottish Premiership title. In this special edition of the Gagging Pod, I am joined by Celtic greats Chris Sutton and Scott McDonald to dissect and celebrate one of the great football triumphs ever by an Australian. Plus, journalist John McGinley gives a unique insight into the feeling on the ground as Ange Mania sweeps Glasgow. Well, what a big night it has been for Australian football and, of course, Celtic Football Club, champions of the Scottish Premiership. And today, this morning, fresh after the celebrations, I'm joined by two legends of the club, two ex-strikers. Combined, they've played 218 games, scored 114 goals. That's incredible. Didn't realise they scored that many. One's a wee man. Love to have been uh, a little bit taller on the end of those head crosses. And his other one has probably a little bit too more, too much height. So they could have shared a little bit. But anyway, they're two of them. Never played together. Would have been a formidable partnership had they played together. Chris Sutton and Scott McDonald. Welcome, guys. Thank you very much, Mark. I like that intro. I, and to, to be <laughs> fair, I give him his dues. I would have loved to have played with him. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and likewise. I'm not sure about I would have liked to have been a little bit smaller, though, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that was just a little bit off the cuff, and I wasn't quite sure where I was going with that one. But anyway, it worked in the end. And of course, let's not forget, we're also joined by John McGinley, journalist for Optus Sport, in addition to other publications, podcaster, YouTuber, and of course, an expert on all things Celtic Football Club and the Scottish Premiership. Welcome, John. Thanks for having me, Mark. It's great to have two of my heroes with me as well. So I, I don't mind how at all or short they are. They were both heroes of mine at Celtic. Guys, first question I've got for all of you, actually. Um, but listen, John, you can start to answer this one first. June 10th, 2021. What does that date mean to you? Has it any significance at all? <laughs> yeah, well, of course it does. Ange Postacoglu walking into Celtic was a big moment for the club, there was a, a, a step into the unknown almost. Ange arrived with a, a fair bit of media speculation around him regarding the suitability for the job. And he came and he told us what he wanted to do. He wanted to put Celtic back on top. And almost a year later, he's managed to do exactly that. Chris, when you think about that day and the time that Ange was appointed as manager, um, what was your initial thoughts? And did you think he would last longer than Christmas, like so many other people had said? <laughs> um, well, 
my initial thoughts, as with sort of any club who appoints a manager, is you have to give somebody somebody an opportunity. I think the fact that uh, that Ange, in truth, was Australian uh, and had managed in Australia for the national team as well, and then gone to the J League. There were a lot of skeptics out there, as we know. You know, Celtic is a massive, massive football club, and all the talk for for weeks and months before was Eddie Howe was getting the job, uh, and and that didn't happen. And then you look back at to what a debacle uh, it was last season for Celtic, going for the ten in a row, um, just falling apart. And in truth, Mark, honestly, I didn't give. Uh, Ange Postacoglu a chance of winning the league this season. The magnitude of the job was so great, a squad overhaul. So, but everybody deserves a chance, and uh, I think he's proved uh, a fair few people wrong. Scotty, were you the same? Did you? Were you? I mean, you know, obviously, Angela a bit better. You you know him from Australia. You, you've got all the 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 context behind it all. You know his qualifications, but you also know Celtic Football Club. Yeah, look, I think um, there was murmurs uh, over here in Australia very early on uh, before it became actual factual within the media um, in the UK that there was a possibility of Ange being in the running for it. And there was a little bit of shock, firstly, to think, wow, where does that come from? But obviously the link with the City Group and obviously Peter Lawwell's son, Mark, who's now at the football club, having that link also, um, you could see where it was coming from. And in terms of what Chris touched on there, there was such a rigmarole around Eddie Howe and how long that went on for. And it was a case of, wow, what next? Uh, Celtic moved really quickly. And I guess it was a sense of excitement as well, you know, in terms of an Australian getting an opportunity at your ex-club and, and a massive club that it is. Um, but there was a lot of scepticism around it. My, my biggest question mark around Farange was, you know, it was European football, but it was how would he relate to the players? Because he hadn't had to do that prior in his roles at probably uh, not since, you know, Brisbane Raw days, you would have to say, you know, within the national team, you get them for a couple of days. Um, you can manage them in a certain way. Uh, Yokohama, there was the, the language barrier. So he had the translators this time around though. And I, and I think he mentioned it as well. He had to let it be a little bit more hands-on and a bit more of a man manager with the players when he come in and he's done it exceptionally well. You can't, you can't say anything against the man. That was my biggest worry in terms of how he would connect with the players. But we can see that already, how wonderful it's been and uh, the players get him and, and, and vice versa. But Chris, that obviously took time, right? So the first six games, they lost three games. It was a complete squad overhaul, 12 new players. Uh, that was just in the summer alone. The the they were circling already, weren't they? The critics, the there was talk about how long was he going to last? Was it even going to be Christmas? Yeah, which was which was utterly ridiculous after what what happened, you know, last season and uh, and how Celtic uh, did implode. So you know he had to bring his own players in, which was never going to be easy. And and, and people forget because of the lateness of the appointment, he was beh- well behind in terms of recruitment, and then. You know, going into Champions League qualifiers, playing two kids uh, at centre half, uh, and it must have been so testing for him and so trying, knowing that he didn't have the players who he would want. But you know, the expectation and having to try and get into a Champions League, and then the poor start to the league season. You know, losing three of the first six games, and 
uh, I remember a few of my Celtic pals. They, they were going up to Aberdeen and uh, and a, a couple of my Celtic pals were saying, well, do you know what? If they lose this game, this could be the end for Ange. And I said, are you serious? Are you really serious about that? They said, yeah, it just, just hasn't been working. I thought that was madness. Anyway, Celtic ended up winning the game and uh, and kicking on. But it just it just tells you everything you need to know about the expectation at the club. He needed, he needed time to, and he still needs time to, to bring his own players in. I mean, when you think uh, what is achieved in such a short, short uh, time span, it is absolutely remarkable. He would have stood there uh, in the, in the pre-season games. I went to Parkhead when Celtic got humiliated by West Ham and he, you know, with the best will in the world, he must have, been standing in this technical area thinking, God, you know, this job is, is possibly going to be tougher than anything I've encountered before, just because <laughs> they were so short in terms of playing personnel and, and making changes. Mm. Christopher Ryer went, Odson Edward went, who were two big players for them. Uh, so recruitment has been a big part of his success this season. He's, he's barely got one wrong, which is mm. in this day and age, I mean, that's, that's pretty remarkable. Yeah, absolutely. John, how close, when Chris mentions there, like those three games, losing three in the first six, having that next game, that seventh game, do you feel it was also a turning point? That win was vital. Was there a feeling amongst the journalists in, in Scotland that he could be on the verge of, of, of being sacked if he loses this game? I think when there's a period of, uh, you know, a run of poor results, there's always a little bit of blood in the water when it comes to the journalists in Scotland, you know, regardless of whether it's Celtic or Rangers, just in the sense that the, the pressure mounts up. The game Chris alludes to, I think it was five defeats and eight across all competitions um, going into that Pataudry game. And the, the game prior was a 4-0 defeat to Bayer Leverkusen. Now, it's interesting that from the outside, it looked like Celtic were in crisis. But when you listen to Ange Postacoglu talk about that period and talk about that 4-0 defeat to Leverkusen in particular, he kind of sees that as a moment that he felt the players were really buying into him and that his reaction to that game wasn't any different to anything else and they just kept on doing the same processes, going through the, the same work, playing in the same way. And that game against Aberdeen was massive at Pataudry. Um, I, I, I don't know if it's a turning point, but it is notable that since that match, they've they've not lost in the league. So it was certainly the basis of a, of a long, consistent run. Um, and I think all the chat about Ange being sacked or Ange not being backed by the club, I think was misguided. I think Ange was always going to get this season to see how it panned out. And it was always it always felt like a rebuilding season, regardless of what the outcome was. So for him and for the players to go on and win a title... Um, it's, it's a pretty special achievement in my opinion Scotty John was saying there about the rebuilding season is, is that a Celtic thing though is that even possible at Celtic Chris mentioned it earlier on as well the pressure the expectation can one do that at Celtic I mean it's worked out okay yeah. but is that even viable look uh, at the beginning of the season everyone will say that but as soon as the season starts the fans will expect you to win every single game that's just exactly the way they are um, but the reality was, and Chris touched on it, at the end of last season, they were on their knees. They are in disarray you know, in terms of the performances, uh, the amount of players that didn't want to be in the building anymore. They lost their manager. There was no talk of 
any manager coming in, obviously with the length of time that Eddie Howe had took because they were after him. Um, there was no head of recruitment anymore. He had left as well. There was no chief executive. The, the whole place was like, well, who's leading the ship here? So finally, they brought a new CEO in. He didn't last long. Um, so Andrews had to deal with that in, in, in the short time he's been at the club as well. He was brought in. He had to do all the recruitment himself. But I think he likes that. You know that. Uh, Mark, you, we know what he's like. He, he likes to be fully hands-on, in control. Um, and I still think even with Mark Law there, he'll still be in full control next year in terms of what they bring in. And I think that's very important that the fans know that um, as, a, as a club because that's always been a question mark in, certain, in, in terms of some of the signings that have, that have been coming in, the, you know, in recent years. There's been a few questionable ones. There's been some very good ones, but some questionable ones as well. Um, and I think um, it's just remarkable to see what he's done uh, in terms of everyone thought it was just going to be a rebuild year and he's made it into such a successful one. You know, two trophies were on for a, a treble at one point. You know, if uh, Carter Vickers scores instead of hits the crossbar in that cup final, we could be talking about possible treble here. You know, they're the fine margins, but we can't, um, we can't sort of... Uh, you know, discredit anything that he's done this year. It's a phenomenal achievement from Ange. Chris, for the Australian public, I mean, obviously we have a lot of Celtic fans in Australia, so they'll get it. They'll know how big Celtic is, what a big job it has been for, for Ange to turn things around. But in, but in your in your opinion, with how broken Celtic were, how far, 25 points behind Glasgow Rangers from last season, to then turn that around to bring in so many new players... Is it truly a remarkable job that Andrew's uh, done? Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was impossible. Be before, you know, when he, when he was brought in, uh, you know, so far behind in terms of recruitment that, you know, the, the pre-season was a, a total, total mess. Now, I came up here in, um, in 2000 and Martin O'Neill was, uh, he'd, he'd, just come up uh, previous uh, to me a couple of months before I think I was his um, first signing. Now Celtic had lost the league the previous season by 21 points, um, but Celtic still had Henrik Larsson. Celtic still had Paul Lambert. Celtic still had Lubo Moravchik. Ange Postecoglou has come up into a real mess, an absolute mess, and in many respects, you know, Martin turning it round first season, winning the treble, that was a huge deal. But in many respects, this this winning the league supersedes it in terms of uh, what he's what what Ange has achieved and and turning things so uh, round so quickly in such a short space of time. You know, his recruitment has been so good and so phenomenal. And look, I, they haven't really chucked vast amounts of money at it. Very clever the way he's used the Japanese market, a market that he knows. Uh, extremely well and a market which you know as we well know hasn't uh, really been targeted by British clubs ever and mm. now I think people are, are sitting up and, and taking notice and and maybe looking at the uh, at the J League and, and potential players uh, coming across to these shores but as a whole I'm, you know I, I'd love to know uh, Ange's viewpoint on the whole thing whether he thought it was possible it's all well and good being bullish on the outside and and you know he has a track record he has a track record of turning clubs around in australia and you know he did uh, amazingly well in the j league 
But I'd love to know whether, you know, when he stood there in pre-season, when he, when he stood there watching uh, the, the, the Michelin game in the Champions League, two kids at centre-half and they were getting walloped. The Leverkusen game, you know, which was, was an awful, awful evening. And he stood there lonely in his technical area. He must have been thinking, blimey, you know, have I bitten off more than I could chew? Maybe he wasn't thinking that. But any sort of sane person, I suspect, would have been thinking that, you know, this is this is one hell of a job. And, you know, how am I going to turn it round in a short space of time? And for him to do that is amazing. Uh, the unfortunate thing for him now is that the expectation will <laughs> go through, through the roof now. And, and Celtic fans will be expecting more next season. That's the nature of, uh, of Glasgow. You know what, Chris? I think you're spot on uh, in, in terms of what you say about what Ange is thinking. Uh, it's funny, while we were waiting for you, actually, um, to start the podcast, we were actually talking about, do you think that uh, me and Mark were asking a question, do you think this is his greatest achievement? And I think without question, it, it has to be. I, I know that winning the Asia Cup for, for Australia was massive, but like you touched on there, did he really believe at the start of the season that he could actually win this title this year? You know, I think a sane person would say, right, I need a year. Let's get in the building. Let's see what we can conjure up and let's see if we can get some momentum. But let's see if we can get close. I don't think he actually thought in his wildest dreams. And I actually think his press conference afterwards, after the game last night, pretty much told us that the, the level of emotion. I've never seen Ange on that level. Possibly you could say the Asian Cup, Mark, you know, when, when, when we won it. I think maybe that touches on that. But I've, I don't think I've ever seen him like that um, in terms of how emotional after after winning something. He usually isn't that way inclined. So I, I think this is um, really up there for him. John, what was your feeling as well? Do you do you feel that when he was taken uh, signed as a manager, was it a job that was even fixable? Was it something that was be able to be fixable within a season? It, it didn't feel like it at the time. You know, I have to be honest. Um, it was interesting, you know, as as Chris alluded to, there, were, there was a lot of baggage when Ange walked into the club. There was the Eddie Howe stuff, there was the mess of last season. Um, what Ange had to do was convince Celtic supporters first and foremost. He had to convince the players um, and he had to kind of unite everyone at the club and be a figurehead. And that's what I think makes the achievement so great, is that he it feels like he's taken on a lot of the the burden and the workload on himself, especially initially last summer. You know, as, as has been stated as well, there, were, there was no kind of recruitment chief. It felt like Ange was kind of fight, fighting fires with the squad on the pitch as well as trying to, to piece together a competitive team. It did feel like an impossible task. I don't think Celtic fans truly started to believe they could win the league until maybe December. Even then, they were six points behind and had so much work to do. Um, there's been various points of, of hope and doubt across the season. I think a big factor as well was when Ange lifted the, the Scottish League Cup in December, got a bit of tangible success behind them, got a bit of momentum behind them, and it felt like Celtic could really attack 2022 with, you know, with renewed focus and, and hope and, and hope of pulling back Rangers. But last summer, it, it felt like a, you know, a really impossible situation. Um, and, and full credit to Ange for... I think convincing everyone that he was the man for the job and then and then just setting about the task. Like I think the Celtic supporters needed almost a parental figure, a, a guiding figure, much in the same way as, as Martin O'Neill was all those years ago. 
you know, not to compare them as managers, but they really have bo both become almost iconic with the Celtic supporters and they both did it in such a short space of time through the power of language as much as the football in the pitch. And I think that's what's so special about Ange Postacoglu um, and has brought all of this together uh, this season as much as anything. Uh, Chris, you've you've had a, a bit of a foray into management. Scotty Mack, you're you're starting that 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 journey. How difficult? And I, what makes it even more impressive for me is that Ange walked in the door by himself. He had no one no one watching his back. He had no one that he could rely on in terms of who he trusted. Most managers would never take on a job without having to bring their backroom staff in. So that makes it even more special, right? Yeah, I. I uh... I actually thinking about uh, you know when he first went in, I was thinking he's got to bring somebody he knows in alongside you know a, a, a trusted lieutenant. But that you know that tells you how much uh, confidence that he has in his skill set and his ability. And, and you guys would know the situation better than me. I don't know what you, you know what they did in terms of uh, uh, staff at clubs in Australia and yeah. the J League, whether he took people in uh, with him. But the fact he, he went in and, you know, I saw him talking about sussing out the staff and, you know, seeing how, uh, how, how they work day in and day out. It's an incredible thing to do. I think he's pretty unique in that mm. because most managers would always say, you know, if it's just one, a, a trusted assistant to maybe watch his back. But it tells you that, you know, he just he, he trusts himself, you know, through experience, which he's he's built up, you know, his training methods. So, uh, you know, early on, Celtic released a video of, uh, I think, to try and to the, say to the fans, you know, we've got the right guy in place here. I thought that was a, that was quite a smart move, actually. Hmm. You know, um, a couple of minutes of uh, uh, of ball. And uh, yeah. I think the fans, you know, really bought into that, really liked it. But uh just tells you his strength of character as much as anything that is saying, you know, I back myself. These are my methods. Here they are. They've worked at, uh, you know, all the other clubs I've, I've been at. They've worked at Australian national team level and they're going to work here. To actually say it is one thing. To back it up and do it is, uh, is quite another. And he has done. Yeah, look, there's no question it's... It's the most difficult thing, isn't it, to be able to have the bottle to, to go into a room on your own, not have any backup. Um, I think we've got to remember, though, that this isn't Ange's first rodeo. He's been doing it for 30 years. He's been, he's been managing and coaching and had success all along the way. And I did, know did he a, always take a team in with him then, Scott? No, no, he didn't. He didn't. It, it, look, maybe early on at his South Melbourne days, he might have had some of his ex-teammates. I can't remember, Mark. You'd know better than me. You're a bit older. <laughs> well, certainly with the national team, he brought in one or two people. And then when he went to Japan, he brought in his assistant. So this is the first job I know of, unless it was with Brisbane. I'm not quite sure when he first took over at Brisbane. Everywhere else, I've, I remember, he took at least one person with him. Yeah. Did, did he bring so, them so, in So therefore, did it surprise you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I was surprised. And, and I went up and spoke to him um, not so long ago, um, and, and I had that discussion with him about the fact that he was there by himself. And I said to him, that, that is really impressive. And how do you deal with it? And he just said, look, I walk in the building every day with my eyes open, my ears open. Of course, I've got to entrust people. I've got to give them the benefit of the doubt. I've got to get them on board. And it's about convincing them every day that this is the right way forward. Of course, there are certain people, certain character flaws sometimes that you, you just have to be aware. And he said, it probably just keeps me on my toes even more. 
every day I walk in this building, I know I've got to be at my best. I've got to be ready on guard and keep going and keep driving the, the boys forward. Yeah, look, what he's done as well that hasn't really been talked about a lot um, is the John Kennedy factor as well because I, I really do believe that John Kennedy was lined up to be Celtic manager after Neil Leonard had done the hopeful of 10 in a row that, that there was always going to be that progression that John was going to get the job at Celtic sooner rather than later, hence why he stayed when Brendan Rodgers left. Um, it didn't quite work out, even in his time as caretaker. There was a lot of backlash from the fans. There was there was backlash on, on Strachan as well. These two need to go. The, all the fans were saying that. He kept them. He brought them in. He brought them closer to him. And it's worked magnificently. And the, the, the buy-in, you've got to give them credit as well, how it's moved on. But uh, they went from strength to strength. Because when you have uh, someone like that who's been at a club a long time, a lot of managers would feel threatened by that. You know, Ange isn't the type to to do that though. I think he, he backs himself that much and believes in himself and gets people to buy into him. And and that's what he's really done really well, isn't it, guys? Uh, in terms of the, the buy-in from every single one of them. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Uh, John, what's next for this, this team? What's the evolution of this side? What direction do they need to go? I think this... It, it, that's what's so exciting about all this, Mark, is it, it does feel like Celtic are still at the start of something rather than at the end of a journey. I think when you're looking towards next season, you're immediately thinking about Champions League football and you're immediately thinking about the kind of improvements that the team might need to get there. I think Ange has already spoken about that. He, he wants to add quality to the depth of his squad. I think in you know a couple of key positions, there's, there's a lack of competition at left-back, for example. Could maybe do with another central defender, could maybe do with another another winger on, on that right side. It also depends what what the, the club and what the players plan to do in terms of Cameron Carter-Vickers and Jota. I think recruitment, again, will be key this summer to take this team to the next level. But I think it's also about further enhancing and, and improving the players that are already there. As we, you know, we've seen this season, and you know, as, as Chris said, his, his recruitment was excellent, but the way he's also worked with players who were already at the club has been fantastic too. And I think you could say that will carry into next season again. It's the first summer, Mark, that Celtic haven't had European qualifiers since 2008. And that's a long time. And these qualifiers have almost been like, you know, a weight around Celtic's neck in the summer in terms of preparation for the new season. Celtic have a full pre-season here where they know they're guaranteed Champions League group stage football. And I think that will be key for Ange as well. Um, so I, I, the the best thing about it is that Ange recognises that there's levels to go to. I think the support recognises there's levels to go to. And so while the, as the guy said, while the expectations and the, you know, the drama increases, I think there's a willingness from everyone at the club and to to take time and, and improve this the direction of where this team is going, and and really try and build something that um, is even has it been even more special than than this season. Uh, John mentioned there a couple of, couple of positions there, Chris. Where do you think 
they need to improve? And do you think he'll have enough money to improve, considering they are in the Champions League? They guarantee that place. There's a guaranteed amount of revenue. Uh, sorry, one of my dogs is barking there. He's excited <laughs> about Ange as well, I think. Um, yeah, I, I think it's uh, you know it's really interesting in the, in the, in the Champions League and, and, the, and the way that Ange goes about uh, the way his team plays in the Champions League because, you know, Brendan Rodgers was a great success uh, at Celtic domestically, went into Champions League games, played his brand of football and, and, and got heavily spanked by uh, PSG and Bayern Munich uh, in particular. You know, you guys will know better than me, but, you know, as far as I can see that Ange pretty much knows only one way and that's to, to go toe-to-toe. That is, that is to attack. That is his way and, and, and that's and that's the process. I think in terms of recruitment, um, I think Celtic need a left-back. I think Greg Taylor, uh, I think he's an OK backup left-back, but I think that it is a uh, a problem position and has been for a while now. Uh, getting Carter Vickers nailed down. I, you know, I understand why people say Callum McGregor's Player of the Year in Scotland, but Carter Vickers, bearing in mind, and I don't know whether Ange got lucky with him, I'd love to ask him, but, but I think there was uh, a certain member of the Scottish press who announced that that was the end of the, uh, the window and all the business was done in Scotland, and then all of a sudden Celtic <laughs> signed Carter Vickers, who I'd seen play in pre-season for Spurs uh, against, I can't remember, the Port- a Portuguese team in pre-season. And he'd had an absolute shocker, a, 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 a stinker. And I thought, blimey, you know, what on earth are Celtic? I mean, this is off the back of one game, and I know he did pretty well in the championship, for thinking this is going to be a risk. He, he has been immense. And actually, his his partnership with Starfelt has been key because the way Ange Postacoglu likes to play, leave the centre-halves, uh, bare at times, and uh, and uh, you know leaves, leaves them exposed, and they have coped, and I think that that's been key to his success. Uh, Joe Hart, the masterstroke. I've got to say, Mark, you know the goalkeeping position far far better than me. Having said that, I think most of us could have gone in goal for Celtic this season and been an upgrade <laughs> on last season. They were that bad. Any shot which went uh, on goal, it seemed to go in. But that that was a really interesting move. That was it. It was a move uh, which I think. Did it surprise me a little bit because I thought Joe Hart had possibly lost his way, you know, third choice at Burnley, gone to Spurs. Um, but it was it was about the goalkeeping position, but it was about having a, a, a figure of authority and a leader as well, which has been, you know, he's been a, a key, key part of that success. And we talk about all the glamour players, the forward players, but that, you know, the centre-half partnership and, and, and Joe Hart, they have been... So, so important for Ange Postacoglu. I was going to be biased and say I thought Joe Hart was very, very good. And it was a very shrewd signing. And I was also like you. I was a bit surprised. I thought maybe, maybe his days had passed. However, he's uh, literally, I was going to say rolled up his sleeves, but he's cut off his sleeves and uh, he's done incredibly well. Um, Scotty, where, are, there, are there positions or players that Celtic have to be a bit worried about now potentially losing? Because Celtic, over the years, you know, it's it's difficult. When they get a good offer for a yeah. play, it's hard to keep hold of them. Look, I think at this moment in time, this team's still fresh. Still, It's quite young. Uh, I think it will be another six months to a year before people start coming, chomping the bit at possibly the Japanese talent within the team. 
I think uh, Chris is right to, to touch on. Carter Vickers is probably the number one target for Celtic right now to make sure that they have that solid partnership. I would even go as far as maybe even another centre-back on top of that. I think you always, when you want to improve your team, you always look at the spine, don't you? I think um, if anything was to happen to Callum McGregor, I, I, I worry a little bit uh, in terms of, you know, not to say Callum's a sitter now. He, he's not a sitter because he, he picks up the ball and, and, and starts everything for Celtic like Scott Brown did. But a breaker, a play, maybe someone that, that was a little bit, you know, done the dirty side of the game a little bit more, possibly, I think, you know, in that defensive midfield role. And I think you can always say you always want another striker. I think fans are always calling out for for another number nine. But Yakimakis has done fantastically well after a not-so-good start. There was there was question marks, I thought, but he gives Celtic something he, he, different. He had a lot to, of injuries, to, to though, didn't he? Yeah, I, he did. I, I quite he like did. Jakimakis. I, I think it's really so interesting because... Um, but the games against Rangers, which Jakimakis did start, Celtic ended yep. up winning. They have that out ball. You know, Correct. Rangers actually were very brave in the semi-final against Celtic and really pressed them high. And I know Celtic yeah. went out uh, an extra time. I thought Rangers deserved to win the game. And then even the game at, at Park had a couple of weeks ago, Celtic had everything to lose. But um, I, uh, I, I just wonder next season, whether it's going through Ange Postacoglu's head, can he fit? Uh, Kyogo and Jakimakis into the same team. You know, mm. does it have to be one? Could he go to a back three? I don't know whether he's ever done that. You guys will uh, will take. Uh, well, I say I don't know whether he's ever done that. He did it at St Johnston this season. Uh, you know, played a back three. But I, I don't know whether he's. You know, I I don't know. But I think Jakimakis is. Uh, I mean, even his goal last night. You know, he, his movement is really good in the box, but he does give Celtic that option of someone to hit if teams are brave enough Physical. to press Celtic yeah. high up the pitch. And, uh, you know, against Rangers, they couldn't get out. You know, three short guys up front and the Rangers sent half when the balls were clipped long. They were eating them up. Mm-hmm. John, um, talking about players coming in and out at Celtic potentially, what about the manager? He's turned a lot of heads. I mean, obviously, as Australians, <laughs> we want to see him go even further, right? We know how big he is at Celtic, right? <laughs> Did- did did you see did you see the reaction to Brendan Rodgers leaving? <laughs> <laughs> is is there any talk? Is there any fear at all that he might be turned? Not not at this point. Just you trying to frighten me here, Mark. Um, no, but in, in all seriousness, I can understand why 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 Australians think that, that 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 might be on the cards. I just like like Scott said. I just feel like this project's very fresh, and I think Ange still has. A lot he wants to do with Celtic. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that Ange is going to be here for for ten years because I actually don't think he he will be. But I I think this is a three or four year project at least. That that's what it feels like to me. That's what it feels. You know the messaging is like from from Ange himself. But there may be one day where he comes along and, and could manage somewhere else. The Premier League would obviously be a natural destination given we're on their doorstep. But yeah, Mark, don't worry me right now because uh, Ange is here right now and I think um, we can all look forward to Ange being here next season. Chris, can you see him managing in the Premier League? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I can. I don't, I don't get the argument that he can't manage in the Premier League. You know, you look look at his track record. His track record speaks for itself. And I think people would have sat up and, and noticed the job that, that he's done as uh, at Celtic. Stephen Gerrard won trophy uh, out of nine, three seasons. You know, people saying an, an incredible turnaround. Well, 
it's, it's nowhere near uh, to what Ange has done at Celtic uh, in one season. Ange has, you know, won more trophies in one season than Steven Gerrard has won in three. And, uh, and Steven Gerrard gets a big job at Aston Villa. I mean, it's, uh, I'm sure clubs would look at him. I think brand of football ticks a huge, huge box as well. You know, big deal at Celtic. And, uh, you know, fans want to see a, a, an attacking style of football. He ticks so many boxes. He has the experience. He has the track record. Just because he's Australian, does that mean he's not going to get a job in the Premier League? I don't get it, honestly. I, 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 don't, I don't get any negative argument to, to say that, you know, could Ange Postecoglou? It's actually insulting. I mean, he's managed a national team, but you know, at a World Cup. I mean, what what more does he have to do? And as I say, I mean, you know, Steve, Stephen Gerrard did build the Rangers team, did do well, but you know, it's a you can't compare the two achievements, Postecoglou and Gerrard. You know, and yet you know we're sort of questioning whether Postecoglou could manage in the Premier League, but. Of course, Stephen Gerrard was destined to do that. That doesn't make any sense to me. Now that you mentioned Rangers, and you brought it up, okay, Chris, I'm going to ask you this. If Rangers win the Europa League, what does it mean for, for Scottish football? Firstly, it's huge. But in terms of, would it take anything off the gloss of, of, uh, of Celtic winning the title, taking away from Rangers, turning that deficit around? Would it not strengthen... Uh, you know, the position of Ange and the job that he's done. That I mean, Rangers have been, you know, very, very good this season. There was, you know, it's interesting. I mean, Scotland's a mental place, isn't it? Um, you know, <laughs> Giovanni Van Bronco's coming in. Remember when Celtic beat Rangers 3-0 the first game and there was a Rangers fans saying, oh, is he the right man? He got his tactics wrong. You know, I'm not so sure about Gio. And then all of a sudden into Europa final, give him a new 10-year deal. I mean, that's uh, that's the way things go. It's It's been, you know, it, it's been super competitive, the title race. And, you know, my era in Scotland was the same. And, uh, you know, Rangers had a good team. Celtic had a, had a good team. It's healthy for Scottish football. Celtic and Rangers fans, you know, would prefer it to be totally one-sided. I, you know... I do, uh, you know, I do get that. But I think Rangers have, have, have done brilliantly uh, in the Europa. That surprised me in, in many ways, um, just how brave they were. And it, I was really impressed with them in their last performance when they took the game to Leipzig. They knocked out Dortmund, albeit without, uh, without Haaland. But, uh, you know, Rangers are a good team. I can't stand them. And uh, I'm glad that Angers uh, has put them firmly in the place. But they are a good team. <laughs> So you're hoping that Rangers win the Europa League so that it elevates Celtic's performances this season and achieves even higher. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but if they were to, it would mean that Celtic yeah. have actually what they've accomplished is even better. Yeah, I'd be looking looking at the positives. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Um, I, listen, I I thought it would be very unlikely. You mentioned it there before, Chris, about the fact that Andrews Aussie, why can't he manage in the Premier League? That's now in hindsight. You said it even earlier on in the podcast. When he arrived, you had your doubts. Was it even possible? Was he going to last long? He probably wasn't. And whether that was because he's partly because he's Australian, but also because of the job that was at hand. So the question is, Scotty, did you ever think you'd see an Aussie manager managing at this level? And not only managing, but also having success? Uh, no, I've got to honestly say no. 
Um, I, I didn't think it was a possibility because, uh, look, we've seen the reaction when Ange got the job at Celtic. You know, um, people are like, who, who's this guy? You know, because we're so far away. It's not to say that we don't have quality coaches or or managers within the country or even abroad now. Um, but, you know, he certainly paved the way for uh, Australian coaches now. You know, obviously Kevin Musket um, has now taken over at Yokohama as well, doing a fantastic job there. Uh, Tony Popovich, who's who's been to Europe, probably lined up as probably the next Australian national team coach now, doing good things in Australia again. There's a lot of excellent coaches in Australia itself, but he's giving us credibility, which is fantastic. Um, and he's showing people that you don't need to be within European football to, to be a good coach or a top-level manager. Um, you know, and, and he's, you know, for me, he definitely will, if he keeps up the success, go to the English Premier League. I just don't think the time is now. He, he'll feel he has... A role to play, and uh, you know, I, I think he he sincerely believes that he's he's part of the Celtic family now, and and he has a bond with the supporters, and and I think for me he'll have at least another couple of years, um, and hopefully of success before he was to move on because he's not getting any younger either, you know. Angie's, you know, for everyone else, he's been around a long time. You know, just he's not thinking... that old, Scott. <laughs> Roy Hodgson's nearly a hundred. Yeah, well, that's true. That, that that is true. That is true. That's the beauty of being a manager, isn't it? You know, there, there isn't really a, an age where you stop. Uh, but I think you know the pressures that lie under and and how intense he is about his job and, and how he goes about it. I think um, you, you know, I'm sure managers all have a, a a line in the sand for themselves to say, right, that's that's it. Um, but yeah, look, I, I can't see Ange moving on anytime soon uh, at the moment unless he was forced to. Uh, I think he loves it at the club, and he wants to leave a legacy behind as well at, at the football club. Uh, what, is it, what do you think it means for Australian coaches, Scotty? You know, you being a coach, young coach coming through now, does that open doors? Does it does it turn people's heads? I think it turns people's heads. I think you still have to have credibility. I think you still have to get the runs on the board, um, but it may well just open a few more doors. Um, sincerely, I think before that. I think the doors are well and truly shut. I think the the more do you really, Scott? has the what do I really what the, the the door being shut. You see, I mean, my my view on the whole Australian thing, uh, I don't really want to swear, but it's, it's utter bollocks, isn't it? Uh, and you yeah, know, you, but... you, you, you 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 look at you know you look at the you know managers, some of the great managers in in world football, they weren't yeah. great players. You know, no. Arsene Wenger managed in the J League. Nobody, you know, everybody laughed him off as a school teacher when he when he first went in at Arsenal. Did a tremendous job. It's about the track record. Surely we're, and I, you know, it, I I get why you're asking the questions. I understand uh, Scott's point of view, but surely we are past that in world football that we're not looking mm. at which country well, somebody are we though? is from. Are we though? Because we, look, we've got one in the in the Premier League now, and we had an American in the. Uh, Premier League before that, and all they did was get the piss taken out of them, you know, and, and the credibility of, of of them as coaches, you know, so it's a similar thing for for, for others, different nationalities as well. Can you be taken seriously? It's not really their game. It doesn't make sense, sport. though, does it? No, it doesn't no, it doesn't. And again, Andrew's proved that all wrong, hasn't he? You know, by, by what he's achieved and, and then coming to the club and, and doing what he's done. He's gave us credibility uh, from that point of view, Chris. And that's why I say, you know, because we are so far away, 
you know, no matter the success that you have on these shores, um, you still have to go somewhere else and, and prove yourself. Um, you know, a lot of coaches are comfortable here. I'd, I'd be more inclined to, you know, I, I came back here for, for other reasons, for my family and, and to play again, uh, experience something different. Um, but I always had in my mind that if you really want to make a crack at whether you're a player or a coach, you, you have to go to Europe to do that and you have to learn and you have to be in those environments. Um, you couldn't do it if you were in Australia and be successful to get over there. Um, it's very difficult. Now, Andrew's had a, a little bit of a journey along the way. He's went to Japan and I think that really gave him credibility. I don't believe for a minute that if he had stayed in Australia and done wonderful things again, he would have got that opportunity to, to manage Celtic though. Um, I I think the name sorry your background is still has a big part to play. I I don't I think first and foremost people look at it and go okay he's from Australia. What have they done? Who you know where have coaches ever come from Australia? What have they ever done? So therefore I think it's very much like look you said it yourself Chris Stephen Gerrard because it's Stephen Gerrard he played for Liverpool his whole career was one of the best players on the planet. So therefore he's transitioned into management and as well or as just okay it went at, at Rangers he still did a, a good job and then his progression was in the Premier League and that was always written in the stars he was always going whereas now we talk about Ange and you kind of go even after what he's done at Celtic there will be some that will be interested but not necessarily take that that, that plunge because he still hasn't proved himself enough so it kind of doesn't it doesn't line up. It doesn't match up. And I don't think it will for some time. I think we still need another couple of trailblazers. I think we need still another two or three managers to come through and have some success at uh, European level. And I'm saying European level for clubs and countries and teams to start taking us more seriously on that note. Um, so my question uh, to you, John, is that hmm. what would you say to those who suggest Celtic have won nine out of 10 Premier League titles? So it was a given that he was going to have success when he came there. It, it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, you just need you need to look at the con the context of the situation he arrived in. Celtic have had an incredible generation of success, but by the time it kind of got round to last season, it was all fizzling out. It was at the end of a cycle. It all went badly. In Scotland, you're honestly probably only as good as your last title win. I mean, that that's where all the the, the bragging rights exist. So. These players, these supporters live on a game-to-game basis, never mind a year-to-year basis. And so I think that the fact that Celtic had won nine out of the last ten is irrelevant to what Ange walked into because, as we've said already, Celtic were on their knees last year. And I think for him to turn around and achieve what he has this season stands on its own without you know any of that historical stuff. Um, so I, I understand why outsiders might look at it and see, say, you know, Celtic are, are built for success and, and, and Celtic were always going to be favourites. But it just doesn't work like that. You know, every season's a reset here. Um, and Ange had to, 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 to work so hard to overcome so much early on um, to go on and, and bring this consistency that we've seen now that I, I, I don't think you can say that he's, he's walked into a winning situation at all. Um, not at all. Chris, you you were there six years at Celtic. In that six year period of time, um, you you won the title. Is it four times, right? You you, yeah. you actually I had a good time until Gordon Strachan came. That's along. right. So and then obviously you won a host of you know, Scottish Cups, League Cup, incredible runs in Europe. You mentioned earlier on about Ange and about now the expectation. So you know what it's like year after year. You have to deliver, have to deliver trophies. 
Can you explain what that pressure's like and what the expectation's like? Well, uh, well next season, it's a, it's a clean slate. I think, you know, John put it quite rightly, losing a game at Celtic is a, is a disaster. You, you know, we, we only needed to, to look at this season where, you know, Ange loses uh, three out of the first six out of the Champions League. It wasn't his team. It wasn't his squad. These were somebody else's players. He'd got in late. He was behind with his with training. You know, the big positive is is if this if this was Ange Postecoglou uh, under severe pressure last season. Um, you know, now this season he can breathe a little bit in the summer. You know, he can take his time to. To, to pick which players who he thinks can strengthen the team, you know, Celtic are, are going to be in a, a really strong position. I don't think last season could be any tougher. I don't care what anybody said. I don't think that there would have been anybody, even the most ardent Celtic fan, who honestly thought Celtic could win the title after last season with the, with the managerial mess and, you know, Ange coming in late. Now, I think that the expectation will be great. I think Celtic fans... I'm not saying this is right, by the way. I'm just telling you the expectation. Uh, you know, and Scott knows you, you go into Champions League football um, and financially Celtic, you know, ca- cannot compete. They mm-hmm. can't compete. But the supporters expect Celtic to compete. They're two totally separate things. And, you know, and, and the supporters will want to see Celtic make greater progress than they did last season, which... You know, pressure is absolutely on. And, you know, I've compared Ange Postacoglu to, to Martin O'Neill. Martin O'Neill, his first season, uh, I think we got knocked out of European football by Bordeaux. But then he started to make progress uh, in, into Europe. And I think that's, uh, you know, that's the next step. If, if Celtic can get back to, uh, to Celtic Park becoming a fortress on European mm-hmm. nights where Celtic are, you know, super competitive uh, and, and put up, uh, you know, really good shows again, and, and go toe to toe with with top teams. Then, I think that uh, that that would be progress. But winning the league, of course, is the bread and butter. Seconds last in Glasgow, finish above yeah. Rangers. The truth is, is uh, in Glasgow, the fans want everything. You have to be greedy. You have to be uh, gluttonous. And uh, and I'm sure Ange is. He's aware of you know of of the pressure. Uh, and the pressure will be right back on next season. It's certainly not right, is it, in some ways? You know, he should be able to get his feet up now for, you know, six months and sort of breathe again, but it just doesn't work that way. Scotty, is it the same for you? You feel that? So am I right in saying, Chris, sorry, is that Champions League is very important, but obviously winning, winning the Scottish Premiership is everything, right? And then it's kind of, uh, kind of takes... It's about, next... no, it's, it's, about, it's about winning the Scottish League, uh, go, uh, competing really well in the Champions League. I mean, you know, Europe has been really disappointed. You can't get away from that fact. Now the supporters will say, OK, well, you know, this is a big deal. Um, you know, that's a, that's a big step, uh, step winning the league. Now we need to compete in Europe. They want everything, Mark. And that, and that is the pressure. And if, if they can't compete in Europe, then uh, they'll get filleted. That's just mm. the way it is. Scotty, how do you think you'll do in uh, European football? Uh, Chris mentioned earlier on about the way he plays. We all know Ange plays his way. There's no other way. Wants to be relentless. Mm. We've seen glimpses this season, albeit with very early doors and with his new squad. Now we're seven, eight months down the line, coming to the new season to be further. 
<clears throat> with the new oh. players as well, I'm, sh- I'm, I'm sure. Can they be competitive? And will his style of football be successful in Europe? Look, they can be competitive. Uh, I, I always think it's how you, you start and how the momentum is at the beginning of your campaign. Um, and if you can get that first win on the board early, then it gives you something to, to really aspire for. Um, I think we've seen this before at Celtic. I know Chris has and, and talked about it at lengths, particularly in the Brendan Rodgers area. He already talked about it. Very similar in terms of their their stubbornness and, and, and how they want to do things and how they want to play the game. Uh, and at times you've got to admit that you, you can't go toe-to-toe with the likes of the Bayern Munichs, the, the PSGs, um, even though Brendan Rodgers tried to do that. So it really will be interesting to see, one, what that group is uh, when Celtic uh, are in those pots. Obviously, they're pot four, so it's going to be a tough group, to say the least, uh, and how Ange approaches it. Uh, look, I think we pretty much know that he won't sit back. He'll go toe-to-toe, um, and it will depend on some of the recruitment um, that he does bring in. Um, it could Look, it could go either way for me, that mark. It could be a huge success because he has got the bottle to do so, or it could be a, a real a real disappointment um, like it was at times under Brendan Rodgers. And everyone was then saying, why does he not just sit off? You know, you can't win in, in those situations um, because fans, if it's not right, they'll always come up with uh, another reason why it, sh- why it didn't go right. John, from your seats, because you obviously see the game very differently for most of us, right? So... Are you the same? Are you? Does the press feel the same? Do you do you see it as a case of Champions League being successful in Europe um, uh, uh, being important as well? It is important because I think you know one of the special things about Celtic is that they they have a pride and and a a passion for European football given the history of the club, and and that's kind of what you know t- successive teams over the decades are always. Um, aspiring to is is you know obviously not winning the Champions League because in in the modern age that is an impossible task for for a club like Celtic, but what the Lisbon Lions achieved in nineteen sixty seven has you know set the tone for everything that Celtic ever want to do in Europe again. It means a lot to supporters. It's huge um, for fans of European football. You know, and Scott, Scott and Chris know that as as well as anyone. Scott had massive nights in the Champions League. Chris had massive nights in the Champions League. Celtic Park shakes, you know, it bounces up and down. It's it's an atmosphere that you, you know you almost don't experience anywhere else in football. It's absolutely massive, um, and it is going to be difficult. But I think what you have to remember is that although this feels like a step into the unknown, as you know, Ange taking Celtic into the Champions League is is a step into the unknown. It's, it was as much a, a step into the unknown, you know, last summer just Ange taking Celtic into the Scottish Premiership. So. I think there's an element of trust there that the the supporters have in Ange to 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 compete well in in European football, and I think there'll, there'll be strong faith there. It'll be a, there'll be special atmospheres created. There'll be glamour ties. It's all part of it. But Celtic supporters really do want to see Celtic compete in Europe, and I think you know we were talking about Rangers earlier, but I think the fact that they got to a European final has kind of um, in this modern era kind of. Raise raise the bar a little bit for for what Scottish teams can do, um, and I think Celtic fans are are so eager for for Celtic to have a sustained run in Europe, whether it's in the Champions League and then finishing third and going into the Europa League, or whether it's getting straight through to the knockout stages of of the Champions League itself. Knockout football for Celtic fans would be a dream next season, 
Um, and, and that's really what they'll be aspiring to, is to be still be playing in Europe um, after Christmas, whether it's in the, the Champions League itself or dropping into the Europa League. Chris, making the Champions League knockout stages, would that cement his place in the history books for Celtic as one of the, the best managers? Um, I, I think uh, what he's achieved this season, he, you know, what, regardless of what happens next season, people the Coglu in the in the highest regard to, to turn around, you know, the team as he did do. Uh, sorry, my wife's just let the dogs into the room. This could be carnage. Um, but uh, you know, in terms of uh, in terms, it's always about the next season. And you know, Celtic fans are greedy. Ange Postecoglou uh, will be greedy. But you know, I, I think in terms of what he's achieved, it's a big deal. Anyway, of course, you know if he wants to to go, go up there uh, with the you know with the, with your Jock Steens, he's, he's got to win a European trophy. That's going to be a tall order. But he's had a, a pretty good start. I don't think we should get too far ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Uh, finally, uh, Scotty, this is a question for you: Is Ange the greatest Australian coach in any sport? Oh, see, that's a that's a really, really, really hard question, Mark. Yeah, you know, he, he has to be up there. He, he certainly is, obviously, in our game, that, that without question. Obviously, the, the the local, the locals would would disagree, wouldn't they, uh, in terms of some of the coaches in the AFL or the NRL and 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 the magnificent leaders we, we've had. But you know, for me, uh, he, he's certainly up there, Mark. Um, he doesn't want to say real... yes or no, Mark, does he? No, I, look, no. it's tough. It's tough because. It, you know, within our game, absolutely 100 million percent. Uh, in terms of, you know, within sport in Australia, there's, there's been some magnificent, you know, coaches along the way. So I, I think, um, you know, for Ange, what, what makes him so intriguing is is him, his personality, his mentality. Um, he's not afraid to, to make the tough calls. Uh, he doesn't let too many people in. Uh, and, and that intrigues people when... When you've got that type of mystique about you, uh, a lot more. You would have to agree, I'm sure, Mark. Um, in terms of at his time at Celtic, I've never seen him let down his guard as much, and I, and I think that's what I was alluding to at the very beginning um, that about his man management and 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 letting people more in, uh, and I think that just shows you the intelligence of the man that he gets it. He gets what he needs to be for uh you know the leadership that he needs to show and with the group that he that he has in front of him you know he's a chameleon in that sense he, he's intelligent enough to get it um and i and i just think still think there's more to come from him mark you know uh, I, give me see, give me this give me this question in another you know three to four years i've went the whole way around with that one but i'm not going to say yes at this moment no um, just, <laughs> I can see so rolling his eyes at me again. That's the familiar yeah. eye no, roll I that rolling, I had for many no, a year I'm, in Scotland. <laughs> I was rolling my eyes at my wife. She's now taking the dogs home. <laughs> I'm going to say from a uh, from an Australian management perspective, look, you know, the other codes are wonderful and amazing accomplishments for all those managers. However, it's so limited. So many few countries are playing them. AFL's only played in Australia. Yes, they've been incredible in Australia. But we're talking about a manager who's been successful in three different countries. And and it's only the beginning, really, let's be honest. I know you say he's been around for a long time, 
but it, it is only his, the beginning of his European adventure, and I can see it going on for a long time. So I'm going to say that he's not quite the greatest of all sports, but he's certainly in football, but he's right up there. And he'd be very, very soon, he'll surpass everyone by, by a long, long way. Going to the fact of, and being more open, being more uh, a different side of him, an emotional side, a more personal side. I think he's had to be. And this goes back to the point that he went there by himself. He had no one to trust. He's had to be actually more open and more direct to people because he hasn't got that trust with his staff because he doesn't know them. And he's only learning that trust. So he's had to be more approachable. He's had to be more communicative with players, with his staff. And I think that's definitely been a big positive for, for Ange as the, as the manager. I think people get an understanding more of what he's like. My understanding, because I've never worked under him as a manager, is that he's been at times quite distanced from players, certainly 100%. with the national team. 100%. So now, yeah, so now he has to be more personal because he hasn't got that network around him. He has to be the person that is conveying the message more personally, more directly. So... On that note, look, guys, I think it's been an incredible uh, discussion about Ange Postacoglu and the success that he's had at Glasgow Celtic in this last, in this 12 months, not even 12 months, a remarkable accomplishment. And hopefully, and I think we can all agree that um, hopefully it'll continue. Hopefully he doesn't leave the club too soon. Sorry, John, just to, 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 to scare <laughs> you a little bit there. I know, Chris, you're rolling your eyes again for about the fifth time. Um, but you know what? He's been brilliant. And for us Australians, we're obviously incredibly proud of what he's accomplished this season. And it's great that he's flying the flag for Australian coaches and football fans in, in Europe. So thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, John. Thanks, Scott. Cheers.